0: Hello and welcome to episode 185 of the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 89 of Bubba and the Bat Flip. Bubba and I are going to take a look at last week's fab, some interesting closer speculations, which you all know I'm, I'll be very interested in. Uh, Scott Barlow, Ranger Suarez, we dive into those two, as well as cover um, some other closer specs, some other starting pitchers, and some hitters that were popular on the wire uh, heading into this week, and then we answer some listener questions. So as always, really hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Always appreciate it when people take the time to rate the podcast and review it uh, as well. And with that, let's get this party started.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode eighty-nine. Going to recap the week in fab, take some listener questions, and much, much more. I have a feeling we're going to hear about some uh, awesome desserts as well. So you can find me on Twitter at bdintric, and my co-host, as always, on this wonderful endeavor, is on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man?
0: Uh, we're doing well, Bubba. I was fortunate enough to go on vacation last week, so you know, refreshed and. Got got a little bit of sleep, which is always nice. spent the spent the week in uh, in the Lake Tahoe area in South Lake Tahoe, and it was really nice. So, um, but I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to be back. I'm, the week is starting off well thus far. Got a couple wins in the balance right now, but uh, yeah, again, I, I wore my Phillies hat today for Andrew McCutcheon in his first inning grand slam. You can't start a day as yeah, well Philly, as you did Philly's, there. Phillies
1: went nuts. Phillies yeah, went yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen runs. It's been beautiful.
0: Man, Beautiful, how so. how
1: it's how really bad big. are the how bad are the Cubs, huh? Yeah, they're dreadful. Like they scored seven runs because Avi Baez hit two of them, but um, other than that, it's been brutal. He's the only thing that's going good for him right now.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, not a lot going well yeah, there. Not
1: much at all. So we shall see. It's uh, it's pretty bleak. I think they they were it was, this will be eleven straight losses for the Cubs. So yeah. Eric Sogard's to the IL after pitching three times in ten days. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Like, thank goodness. I yeah, know that was kind stuff. of
0: nuts. That was just a crazy statistic. That like he had pitched more times to than any like position player has ever pitched in their career, or something like that. Something crazy. So, yeah. Outside of Shohei Otani, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah outside of Shohei, who's just an absolute beast among men type situation. So. He's got that going for him, of course, um, which is always great to be Shohei. But, um, yeah, we already talked some fab. Let's talk some fab. Let's do it. All right. This past week, it's been a while since we've gotten a lot of closers on the docket, but we have quite a few this week. The most added player, by a few, not by much, but by a few, Scott Barlow of the Kansas City Royals picked up a couple saves in his recent appearances. Went for as high as $126, went in 264 total. NFC leagues. And this is a guy that going into the season, someone to speculate on, um, you know, as a late round pick at least in DCs or something, and he's finally getting his chance, but it is the Royals. Every time we think a guy's going to have the chance next, thing you know, Greg Holland's there or someone else is there. It's just been a weird deal because they still want to trade these guys. So they can't just like put them to the side. So what's your thoughts on Barlow? Were you in on Barlow this past week?
0: Yeah, I was definitely in on Barlow. I was really pleased. Actually, I got him in, in a few spots, Uh, For in the bids, like in the high 20s, low 30 range for him. And I know he went uh, a little bit higher in some leagues. Um, But I was really excited to get him just because, you know, uh, my my uh, struggles with saves this year are well chronicled as are. I mean, there's a lot of people who are struggling with saves this year. Uh, It's so hard to get guys that are in committees because it's so hard, especially guys that aren't skilled. Like a good example is like Gregory Soto. Like I've had him on my team off and on throughout the throughout the year. He's on. He's off you keep them in there in your lineup, maybe you're going to get one save that week, right? You know, maybe you might get a couple saves over the course of a month. But, and then, you know, his ratios are fine, but they're not like helping you out a ton. And there's always blowups that you might be worried about. So I'm trying to keep myself from being in those types of situations. And the thing that that's interesting to me about Barlow is we've all talked about how the Royals have kind of mixed and matched throughout the year. And I think that's true to a certain extent. But when before Stalmont's injury, he was, he was the guy, right? Like he was the guy that they were going with as the closer. I can't remember how many save opportunities he got in a row, like three or four. And so my hope is that Barlow um, is, that, is, that, is that the Royals will go with Barlow. And again, the thing that I like about having Barlow on my team is he pitches a lot. He pitches a lot of innings. He gets a ton of Ks. And so even if he isn't going to get me saves, he's at least hopefully going to get me those ratios that are really helpful. And so that's why I felt a little bit better about him than maybe some of the other guys that were out there. So he was kind of top of the priority list for me, and, and I was fortunate to get him in a few places.
1: Yeah, I didn't – I liked the the, the guy that the pitcher that Scott Barlow is, and I, I was interested in him off and on throughout the season. I even had him in holds leagues from time to time. I didn't go after him this past week because I knew I wouldn't be able to to begin with. I know there would be people – bidding over top of me I, I put in some bids on some other closers we'll talk about later but I didn't even bother with Scott Barlow I just knew it wasn't in my price range it wasn't happening so and I'm not I'm not like crushing saves but I'm not desperate for saves so my my funds were going elsewhere type situation so yeah no barlow for me um, Richard Sands says he got Barlow for twelve dollars. In a league that he's in with me. So, see, I wasn't even going to spend $12. The guys I got were like six bucks and below. So, it was, uh, I, I knew I wasn't even going double digits, which he deserves. He deserves to be like, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30, probably is where I would have kind of thought, but everybody needs saves right now. So, get him on can. It's also like you. You mentioned my internet is all kinds of wacky right now, so it's going to be interesting the rest of the evening. I just, I just apologize now. Technology's yeah. a, a fun, fun thing, but um, yeah. it's just the, the way enjoyable it's going to go. thing
0: about it is like, is your voice like stops and then it goes really, really fast. So uh, it's kind of fun <laughs> to keep up with.
1: Yeah. So I apologize now. It's just uh, there's nothing that I can do about it. Um, next up, Ranger Suarez, very popular name, fun name. Got picked up in 255 leagues, as high as $73, a little more affordable than Scott Barlow. But uh, he's getting the job done for Philly for now. They still have Alvarado. They have Bailey. Those guys are both added as well. But uh, were you in on Ranger Suarez?
0: I was in on Ranger Suarez. And I do want I want to do something, Bubba, before we forget, is one of our listeners, um, I think his, his handle is like at AOK underscore Tigers. He had requested that we include when we talk about guys that we've added, like Scott Barlow, that we include who we dropped to pick them up. You know that way people get a sense of like who we are, not only adding but who we're dropping. And so for me in one league uh, for Barlow, I dropped Gregory Gregory Polanco. I was a big Gregory Polanco fan. I think throughout uh, heading into this year, I really thought he could be a a, a guy who wasn't gonna cost a lot who could return a lot of value and it just never got clicking the the numbers are actually really good on him but but i dropped him i also dropped archie bradley in a couple places uh for scarp barlow so just to give you a sense of kind of who i was uh who i was moving on from when i when i got barlow um those are some of the names that 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 are at the forefront there
1: yeah no problem at all uh interested in ranger suarez at all
0: uh, yes, I got Ranger Suarez in a variety of different places. He was actually my most add, like, I think like this entire year, the guy that I've added the most, I guess people weren't as into him. Um, I think I picked him up in four or five leagues, honestly. Um, and so it was all about usage. Uh, you look at, you know, uh, Alvarado couldn't, he came in in the eighth, I think, and he couldn't close it out. He gave up another lead. Um, uh, apologies to the Zach Wheeler uh, people who have Zach Wheeler on their team. He blew a save. He blew a win for Zach Wheeler, and then Ranger Suarez came in and got them out of the jam. And then in the following situation, um, Suarez did get the save, I believe. And he came in after Alvarado pitched the eighth. And then even yesterday, which was really nice after picking him up, you know, Alvarado came in the in the eighth, promptly gave up a home run to Hobby Baez, which I'm sure made you happy, um, but did not make Alvarado owners happy. Um, And so, and and it seemed like he was going to be the guy that was coming in in the ninth. but then they, they kind of blew out the Cubs in the following inning. And so he didn't have to come in. And so for him, you know, initially I wasn't that interested in him because when you look at his, his numbers over the course of the full season, like they're not necessarily anything to write home about. I mean, the ERA looks great. The whip look great, looks great. But then when you figure out that he's got a one fifty six Babbitt, 90.1% 90.1% strand rate. It's not all that interesting. K minus walk at 17.6% is pretty good. Swinging strike rate isn't great, but um, uh, the, the CSW is decent uh, for, for him. 29.5, so slightly better than league average. But what happened is I, I looked a, in, in, into his pitch puts and I was pleasantly surprised to find that his changeup is a very good pitch. Uh, changeup has a 22.4% swinging strike rate on it, above 40% O swing, and then when I looked at his at his more recent performances, it seemed like he was increasing the changeup usage, and the numbers were a lot better recently when it came to his K-walk, minus when it came to his swinging strike. His O-swing has been off the charts recently, which is really important because if you're not walking, guys, and you're not giving up hard contact, then I think you have a better chance to succeed. So I did end up adding um, Suarez in a variety of different places, and I'm hopeful, hopeful, hopeful. As I'm ever hopeful for closers, that that will solve uh, a, a, a tough situation in a lot of my leagues. How about you? Were you in with with uh, with Ranger at all?
1: No. Again, similar to Scott Barlow, I knew the, the the price was too high. Like I wasn't doing it. Plus, it's just this committee that I'm just I'm not sold on them just sticking with one guy. Um, they should. It'd be smart if they did. But they they paid Bradley. I don't think he should be the closer. But they paid him, so you got to think about that much. You got Alvarado, who still could be a lefty guy that, that comes into play. It's just a weird dynamic there. Suarez right now is the best option. And I never even count out Hector Neres getting another chance in there. There's like so many moving parts with Joe Girardi. So I agree Suarez should be the guy for now. Again, I was not in on him this time around. So we'll see. The, the, we'll see the, one, thing I'll,
0: the, the one thing I'll say is Girardi has wanted to stick with one guy. Like he gave Neres a pretty long leash. And then he also, with Alvarado, he named him the closer, right? And then Alvarado promptly blew everything. And so I am hopeful that they're going to stick with one guy. And then just in terms of guys that I dropped, you mentioned Naris. Naris gave up six earned runs, I think, on Saturday or Sunday mm-hmm. um, in one of his outings. Um, Suarez, I picked him up uh, and I dropped Narris in one spot. And then I dropped um, Archie Bradley in another spot. And then I got Ranger Suarez like everywhere. Michael Chavis in another spot. And then uh, Hansel Robles, who promptly got a save on Monday. Um, but Hansel's like another one of those situations where he might get a save a week, but he's not a super good pitcher. So I don't really want him in my lineup if he's not going to get all the saves. So.
1: Yeah, it's tricky. Like I I, to, I have Hansel in a couple of us because it is what it is right now. But what you're saying makes a ton of sense. So it's a. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. I hope, I, I, if I had to pick one of the two, I pick Suarez over Barlow. I'd say that much, just because I think if they give him the role, he'll run with it. Plus, the Phillies should win more games, so I think that's an option as well. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that one plays out. Another closer to look at here that I was not in on as well is Heath Hembree of the Cincinnati Reds, with um, you know Lucas Sims going on the IL, Garrett having his messes, Antoine going on the IL. All kinds of issues in the back of the Reds bullpen. Heath Hembree, of all guys, has shown up to be the closer. Picked up saves on the second and the third. And he got added in a whopping uh, 191 leagues for as high as $87. Were you in on Heath Hembree?
0: I got Hembree in a 20-team Dynasty League off of the waiver wire. Um, So that was it. I I had him in a couple of conditional bids below Barlow and Suarez. I do kind of, I do kind of like Henry, um Honestly, um, if you look at him, he's given up a lot of hard contact, but the underlying skills are pretty good. He has a forty-one point seven percent K rate, nine point three percent walk rate, a little high. K minus walk is thirty-two point four percent. Swinging strike rate is twelve point nine percent. Major home run issues: two point seven home runs per nine. If you look at him historically, he's at about one point seven home runs per nine. And so, you know, yes, he's been bad, but he hasn't been, uh, I think there's some positive regression due his way. He does have a low BABIP. He also has a low strand rate. So there's reasons for optimism, reasons not for optimism. I didn't bet nearly as much. I didn't, um, I didn't put nearly as much FAB in on him. I put, um, I think his bids were definitely in the single digits, like low single digits, I think, just as kind of a backup. Um, so I, I did have a little bit of interest in, in uh, Hembry. Uh, I was looking down at my phone just here quickly because um, they have Brad uh, Brock, who's currently in in the bottom of the ninth, uh, who is hopefully not going to ruin Luis Castillo wins. Us Castillo owners have been through enough. Yeah, don't do it. Six one. We do not need the six one. But for some reason, after walking and hitting a guy by with a pitch, he is for some reason still pitching in the game. So we'll see what happens there, but. I do have interest in Hembry. Uh Hopefully, he will come in and close this game out. More importantly, hopefully, Castillo will get this W, because I don't know if I could handle it after the Gonsolin yeah. loss blown. and Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah, no, we need some Hembry or I mean some Castillo to uh, to get this. Hembry makes me laugh, because first off, when I see his name, it reminds me of the Giants days. He was supposed to be the future closer of the Giants, and then he gets traded, and it just never happened, so... That was fun. He was once supposed to be the guy. Never happened. Um, And now all of a sudden he's popping up in in Cincinnati. But I wasn't in on him because it's a revolving door there. Like, this whole season. Like, it was a week ago, Brad Brock was the popular guy added. So, it's like, how much money are you going to keep throwing at the Cincinnati bullpen? Maybe a guy eventually sticks. Just a little
0: bit, Bubba? Just a little bit more?
1: Just a maybe. Maybe. But it's it's, it's wild to – to just see how much uh, – I, I wish they just pick a guy, bottom line. Because, you know, the second one of the guys comes back from the I.L., they're going to probably sh- slide right back into the ninth inning role. And it's just a very, very sticky situation. All right, we'll stick in the pitching department, but we're going to go to a starting pitcher, one Tyler McGill of the New York Mets, picked up in 179 leagues as high as $81. He was really, really solid his first two outings, pitched on Monday – and was outstanding there too. The strikeouts have been great. He gives up like one home run a game, but the CSW, the swinging strike, you name it. The dude is dealing. His changeup is filthy. He's got a lot of great stuff going on. So McGill so far in three outings has checked the boxes and they keep stre- stretching them out. They need a starter. So he might stick for a little while.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, McGill was definitely somebody I was looking at um, at in, in 12 team leagues. The challenge there is just that, you know, uh, I'm fortunate to have at least some decent pitchers. But yeah, like you said, I mean, there was enough there even before this last start to be interested, especially with, um, you know, Brewer. I think he's got the Brewers and the Pirates or the Brewers and, and somebody not so great um, in his next start. So especially for this week as a streamer. And, and as you know, sometimes these streamers, these guys who start out as streamers, uh, end up being, being guys who can stick around. And certainly he's been pretty impressive, you know, a, a few kind of like, and again, this is just kind of small stuff, but you know, he's got the low Babbitt, he's got the high strand rate. He's giving up a lot of home runs, 1.88 home runs per nine. Um, he doesn't get chases outside the zone that much. The walk rate is a little high. And so again, there's a lot of things to like with the swinging strike rate. You mentioned some of the pitch mix, and the pitches that are really strong, you know, I do think that there's going to be some regression coming. But you know, ride right while it's hot, and especially with a two, a two start, um, a two start opportunity, I think I think it was tough to pass it up. Unfortunately, he wasn't available in in a lot of my mains.
1: Yeah, I wasn't able to get him anywhere. That's for sure. But as Alex Thistle would ask, and we'll answer your other question shortly, Alex, because I did add him places. But um, starting the starting pitching market is barren, especially in fifteen teamers. So a guy like Tyler McGill definitely checks the boxes as a guy to give it a shot this week, especially two good matchups that he had. So that was that was a plus. Um, I like what we're seeing. I usually prefer guys to go deeper into the game, but so far so good. Like he's going to get you strikeouts. You know, you said the one point eight k home run per nine. He's given up one home run in each start. He doesn't go deep, so it's going to look probably worse for wear than it is. That's the only time he's given up runs is on the home run. No other times. So I take that as a positive. The walks aren't great, but uh, swinging strike rate is pretty, pretty nice. So we'll see how that continues. Again, there should be regression. These young guys are going to have regression. That's just the way it goes. It's the nature of the beast, but can he adjust like Alex Manoa, Alec Manoa, or does he adjust like uh, Coer or something? Which which angle does he go to? Because there will be a hiccup along the way. How does he react to that hiccup? So. We'll see for now, write it out. It'll be fun, like I said, the Mets need pitching. uh Carrasco might be coming back, who knows about center but they need starting pitching, so we'll see uh we'll see how that gets to going um Guild, um, he brings up a good point. he thinks that we're back in the two thousand and nineteen hitting environment, so pitching might become a little hopefully better for us than it was early on in the season, so
0: thanks yeah. For Rob Arthur had an article that essentially said that, you know, that that we are back to kind of the 2019 hitting environment with the lack of the sticky stuff. So we'll see. Um, Just an update. Eugenio Suarez has waited until the ninth inning, uh, bottom of the ninth inning to have his customary error in a Luis Castillo start. Uh, So now it's second and third, six to four uh, with Henry coming on. Uh, This is going to be an incredibly painful uh, next few minutes as they blow as they blow Luis Castillo's win. What does the man have to do to does he have anything positive happen? Oh
1: man, he's been so good lately. Uh, but awful. uh it's you awful. know who else has been good lately? Gavin Sheets he got called up about a week ago. Got picked up at 172 leagues, uh, as high as 108 dollars. And the dude has done nothing short of just rake up there. They've used him as DH. They've used him in the field. He's been hitting towards the top of the order, which has been outstanding. Usually second, but. Uh, if not sixth so he's got good spots in the order going into tuesday he had hit in all but one game um, only striking out 14 of the time which i consider good for a young kid these days i like everything i've seen so far again he's young they'll make adjustments to him and you have to see how he comes back on that but i was in on him this week i did not get him because again i am not throwing big bids out there but i liked what i'm liking what i've seen from gavin sheets
0: yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the same prospect pedigree, but what I really liked was what you mentioned, like the low K rate. He seems to be making a lot of contact. Plate discipline is fine, you know, slightly worse than the average, but it's okay. You know, he does hit a decent amount of ground balls. Isn't necessarily known as a power guy from his time in the minors. I mean, he does have seven home runs this year and 176 plate appearances in AAA, but never hit more than 16 uh, previously in the minors. That said, I mean, you know, he's hitting the ball he's in that White Sox lineup. They've got a ton of injuries that they're going to be trying to compensate for. Um, when you look at, you know, max exit below 108.9, so not great. He's got two barrels, which is fine. So everything looks, looks fine. I mean, I think right of, while it's hot, I don't know if it's necessarily going to last, but I do like, I do like the fact that that K rate is so low when he makes a lot of contact. Cause when, when that happens, it's, it's much easier to, uh, uh, to make an impact.
1: Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you on that one. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from him, and right now with Grandal going down, it just keeps him up there even longer. So that's gonna that's gonna be really good uh, good to see. And yeah, Alex Thistle makes a the point. Of these call ups are so hard to gauge without 2020 data. Because yeah, as we like for all we know, if you look back at you know the prospect pedigree, you mentioned and other things. Maybe Sheets made adjustments at the alt site. We just don't even know it, and that's the crazy yeah. part about it. Because when I was doing DFS, I'm writing this guy up, looking at him. He's like two thousand dollars. What's this? What's that? Looking back at his minor league numbers, nothing great, but his early start at AAA was outstanding. Like he looked really good. So what? What you know triggered this new new guy? Basically, we don't know. But all we can go off is what he is now, and hope it continues. So it'll be a uh, pretty pretty fun to see. All right, the next. we struck out
0: the first batter, Bubba. It's happening.
1: How many outs are there?
0: One out. Winmera oh, field is up. Or actually, oh, no, no, Nikki Lopez is up.
1: Oh, Nikki so Lopez is chance. up.
0: All Saying right. there's a chance, Bubba. And I, I know people tune in to hear play by play on the Royals Reds game, but this is big. We need at least, at least, this W.
1: At least you can't give a report then in the middle of it say Castellanos sits on high and deep to left. So <laughs> <I> can't do <laughs> that. That, was,
0: that was just remarkable, right? Just the timing of He's Castellanos. Done it He's done, done it now. twice now. I know. It's amazing.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, a guy that I did acquire this past week i can Mm. talk about this one jace peterson um as high as uh he went 167 leagues for as high as 62 dollars. oh no
0: no i I saw sorry yeah i saw sorry from anthony but
1: um yeah he went as high as 62 dollars and this is a guy that um i'm very very excited about and the biggest reason for those that have listened long enough know i like multi-position eligibility and that's a big, big thing for me. And Peterson checks the box at like four different positions. Um, I got him for $6, $4, and I believe – I think I got him almost every NFC league I have. So give me one more second here because I'm not good at scrolling through everything. But, yeah, it was 6 and $4. That's where I got him pretty much everywhere, which is very, very affordable to me. Second base, third base, outfield eligibility, a um, little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. He's hitting everything. He's hit like he's not striking out a lot. He's walking a ton. He's just checking the boxes. He's getting on base. For one of the hottest teams in baseball. It's putting up a ton of runs. Didn't cost me a ton. So if he struggles, I let him go. But I dropped guys like Chad Pender, like Tony Kemp, um, other guys that are multi-position guys I liked that have gone really cold. I want to ride Jace Peterson while I can for basically next to nothing. So I liked what I've seen. I understand he's 31. I understand he hasn't really done this before. I understand he probably won't last the whole season. But if he can give me two to three weeks, maybe if not more, I'm all for it for four to six dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, um, Peterson. I didn't end up getting him, I don't think, anywhere, but I had him on a bunch of my uh, conditional bids. It was interesting because you know the Brewers have a, have a had a pretty good setup. You know, they get to Grom with the Mets, but the other starters that they play they face aren't too scary, and the Mets have historically been a pretty decent team to steal bases on. And so you had Tyrone Taylor, you had Jace Peterson, and you even Jackie Bradley Jr. For me was a guy that I was looking at to get seven games in. And, and Jackie Bradley Jr. and really the whole Brewers team had like their best hitting week of the year last last week. So yeah, Peterson, like you mentioned, the multi position eligibility he's got in his last fourteen games, I think he has like a thirteen percent walk rate and an eight percent strikeout rate. Like it's just um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's. Um, it's it's good. Um, I'm just a little flustered right now.
1: Just a little flustered <laughs> yeah. at the moment. It happened. It happened. It
0: happened. It happened.
1: And now himbry might get it the happened. loss, everybody. himbry might get the loss for everyone that paid all that money
0: for. Well, him. well you want to, oh, he got a triple? God, the Reds. A what a the joke. Can we talk about the yep. Reds for a second? You're up six <laughs> to one. You're a competing team. You have Brad Brock in there, right? And the first thing he does is walk a guy, and then you leave him in there. Next, he gets a hit by a pitch, and you leave him in there. And, of course, it's not his fault that Suarez had a fielding error. I mean, whatever. It's just like – but look at this. Like, I could just read this off like, Ryan O'Hearn, walk. Hunter Dozier, hit by pitch. Ryan O'Hare to second. Michael A. Taylor reached on Eugenio Suarez's fielding error. Ryan O'Hare and scored. Hunter Dozier to third. Michael A. Taylor to second. Heath Hembree pitching. Jorge Soler struck out swinging. Yay, Hembree. Nicky Lopez, single to left center. Hunter Dozier, Michael A. Taylor scored. Nicky Lopez to third on. Aristides Aquino's throwing error. Like, come on. If you want to be like a big league team, like, come on. Get a hold of it, right? Well, Oh man, yeah, and that's the thing is that's the thing is now Cincinnati's going to win, and so Barlow's not even going to come in to get that scrounge the win for me.
1: Yeah, and the, everybody, Toby's the nice, calm one on the show. So just just realize that that's taking, but that's that's angry Toby right there. So
0: <laughs> that's it's just yeah. Brutal. It's, I'm in a league, a very important league, and wins have just been an absolute run. nice ma- Nightmare, and today we had Gonsolin going. So and again, you leave after five in and a third with a one zero win. It's one thing, but like six to one going into the eighth inning, like oh come on, come on! Yeah. Before you know it, I'm going to be liking quality starts or quality start plus or whatever yeah, just, look, more than wins if people keep this up.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Is I I'm doing that Taut Wars League this year where they got rid of wins. They're using innings pitched. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's been a lot better this year. When you have G-Lito and Castillo on your roster and stuff, you're just like, screw it, go 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 six or seven, do your thing. <laughs> I just don't even care anymore. It's like I I thought it was kind of a weird way to do it. It's worth a trial to see how it works. But I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> like, thank God because that like like you're saying because I have Gio and, and Castillo and many other leagues like we've talked about where I could use those wins. At least in that one, it's just like okay. At least I'm getting the production out of them. That's all I care about. So we're good. It's uh, it's very tough. It's yeah. So, yeah, it's rough. But we will move on to another closer that got picked up this past week for the Baltimore Orioles. He was their closer last year and did pretty darn well overall. Cole Sulser got picked up in 138 leagues, as high as sixty-one dollars. I know Alex Thistlewood asked um, you may you may be about to get to him, but co-manager and I snuck Cole Sulser in our main for thirteen dollars. Is he the closer? I think he is for now because the biggest thing is with the Orioles is they usually do stick to one guy, but they'll eventually they have enough. Like they move quickly, but while he's there, he'll be the guy. He picked up a couple saves for the last few weeks, and one reason why I was aggressive on getting him is, A, he would be cheap. Got him for less than 5 bucks everywhere I got him. I dropped guys like Steven Matz, Bailey Ober, um, guys that didn't crush for me, so that was fine, but um, the biggest thing with Sulcer He's kind of like a a Taylor Rogers light where he'll pitch for one to two innings at times. So at least he's going to get you strikeouts, potential wins if we need that. He's going to get you quality even if he doesn't get you saves. Unlike, you know, you talked about Hansel Robles earlier and other guys were just like, ah, this is a nightmare. So I grabbed Solcer thinking he'll, he'll help me out where I need saves potentially. If worst, helps my ratios. Gets be strikeouts because he's got a, over thirty percent K rate, a swinging strike rate over fifteen percent. The stuff's good. He still walks too many guys, but that's like almost the era of baseball with these closers these days. They're all walking everybody. But um, I like what I see out of him, so that's one reason why I didn't have the budget. So I wanted low. That's why I didn't go in on Barlow and company. I put almost all my bids on Cole Sulcer for five bucks or less. So I got him in like three leagues.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very astute move. Um, he seems to be the guy. I mean, him and Fry seem to be sharing duties a little bit, but Fry seems to be kind of falling back a little bit. Um, had a few shares of him at, at one point in time in the, in the closer carousel, but yeah, like the skills are great. 24.2% K minus walk 15.6% swinging strike rate, a really nice O swing at 34.6%. Uh, even the Babbitt's high a little bit, you know, so not giving up home runs never really has. I mean, he's only got 61 innings, but he has 0.59 home runs for nine, which is really nice. So he's got all the gr- gr- the ingredients for a great closer outside of being on the Orioles, but you know, then again, like I'm picking up guys on the Phillies, so I'm picking up guys on the Reds, you know. So there's not that much of a difference between those guys. I mean, the Reds, the Reds, god awful team, worst team on the face of the earth. I was going to buy their hat because I really love their stadium. Uh, no more, no longer. Stadium is great.
1: Stadium is great. Yeah, I agree it with that. Is.
0: It is. But so, yes, I think Solzer is a really good pickup. Again, it's just a matter of opportunities um, for him with the Orioles. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good pickup.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll take my chances there again. I'm in that world where I'm trying to make sure I have money towards the end. So it's all cheap bids right now, unless something really knocks my socks off. So... I don't even. I know I'll do a lot of keep modest bids, but there's certain guys I already know going into it. They're going to go for way more than my keep. I was actually going to waste my time because you know how much time Fab takes. I'm just like, we're not even going to do this. We're not even going to, to deal with it and move on from there. So uh, another guy that got added in mini leagues for his two steps is John Gray. He picked up in uh, 125 leagues, as high as $79. He's been pitching outstanding this season. Actually, if you really look at him, pitching really well, especially of late at home, who's pitched well. Got Arizona on Tuesday, a good start on the road again on this weekend. He started off Rocky on Tuesday night, but he's really got it together. Ooh, that was a good one. All, like, Ooh. You like that? He started off Rocky.
0: Yeah.
1: This is called do, doing a lot of these You're podcasts a pro. all the time to you kind pro. of develop them. Most people think most people most people laugh at me because it's a bad dad joke or something, but I'll slide them in from time to time. But um I didn't acquire John Gray anywhere because he really wasn't available in any of my leagues.
0: Yeah, I, I, he wasn't really available in any of my um, fifteen teamers. I don't think, and I and I definitely wasn't on on his radar. I've I've got an aversion to John John Gray. Like I've always had an aversion to him, so he may just not be on my radar as well. So I wasn't after him either. Um, but he has been. He has. He's had. He's had some really good outings. His last outing, I think, was against the Brewers, um, and that w- that went really well. Um, so. You know, why not take a shot? You know, you're playing against Arizona. I think he's got the Padres end of the week. So not a bad, not a bad option. Not the worst option in the world. Uh, second worst to Heath, Heath Hembree. Um, But yeah, uh, I, I can see why people are interested. And this seems to be a year. I mean, the challenge with him is always like, for me, like he's never had a whip under one, two, six. And he had a one, two, six whip in 2016. You know, like, and everybody says it's it's Coors Field, but he's got a worse, at least he did when I last looked, at worse Babbitt on the road than he does at home. Worse ERA on the road than he does at home. You look at his numbers even now and you're kind of like, I don't know how he's doing this. Anytime you have an O swing, like under like 26, 27%, it's really difficult because the walks are either going to be really high or you need to be able to dominate the zone. And he doesn't do either one of them. So anyways, I mean, I think it was a fine, like, Kind of shot in the dark, like two step, you know, going for that, going for volume, but it's always a little nerve wracking.
1: It's been weird with John Gray's in his whole career. Pretty much, he's been better on at home than on the road. He's been like that conundrum at all times. But um, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Sticking to the Rockies, um, you know, we talk about streaming saves. It seems like this year, that's the way things seem to be going. Catchers outside of like the elites, and JTR is getting it going again. So I don't want to hear that nonsense from people. He's really starting. He's he's been banged up a lot, but he's starting to hit. So we won't talk about that. But for the rest of the world, thank for the for the rest of the world where you know outside like the top four or five catchers. Heck, he has Money Grandal's now on the IL for four to six weeks. It's getting crazy. Uh, don't talk you to can me about you that can yeah, I got him in a lot of places too. I feel you. He's um. You can stream catchers this year. It's been really wild. Like I remember in a lot of leagues, I picked up Don Nunez, and I, you got Luis Torrens come up. There's been a ton. I won't name them all. But the reason I mentioned Dom Nunez, he was the flavor of the month for a while. Remember preseason, Elias Diaz was the guy I wanted in every single best ball DC you could find. Now, all of a sudden, I get to play him because he's playing every day. He got picked up in 119 leagues. He's hit safely in seven of his last games, hitting 440 with four home runs. And like, that's not sustainable. I get it. But he's only striking out 14% of the time. That gets my attention. Like, okay, he's putting balls in play. So that's always a positive, especially in Coors Field. Now he's on the road, but again, he's a guy you could get for a couple bucks. You roll with them, You see the next flavor of the month is a catcher because it's a revolving door right now. So I think he was a good pickup. I didn't get him anywhere, but I think he's a good pickup.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, as long as he's getting the starts in Colorado, not surprisingly, those last seven games you mentioned, you know, in those last seven games, they were all at Coors, yep. right, last week. Yep. Um, but he's still going to play half his games at Coors. He's, you know, doesn't strike out a lot. The walk rate is up a little bit. Um, And I even saw something, somebody was tweeting, um, uh, somebody put on Twitter that over the last, I don't know what it was, 14 days or three weeks or something like that, like he's got more walks than strikeouts. Obviously hit those four home runs. So you play him while he's playing and, and while he's in there. And there's a reason people were really into him heading into the year. And one thing about baseball is, you know, you don't accrue your, your stats. Like it's not like you get like a run every three days, you know, or like an RBI every three days, no, over the course of the full season, like you're going to have these massive days, you're going to have total clunkers. You're going to have some that are in between, but if you miss those massive days, right, that's where it really hurts you. And with Diaz, like if you had them last week, it's terrific. If you have them now, like you definitely want them in that lineup. But again, like, you know, you can always, you can always either luck into or skill into getting those huge weeks from your catcher. And if you can compile a few of those, like over the course of the season, it, it ends up being, being pretty solid. So, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely a, a good guy to go after. And Salvador Perez singled yep. to deep plus center, yeah. they blew it. They absolutely yep. blew it. Look at that. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. Impressive. What, impressive. Gar- impressive. what a what a garbage team.
1: Yeah, you guys you guys performed in the ninth inning like someone that ate some Skyline Chili. So it was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, with Diaz. And the thing with Diaz is he came off the Monster Week, so people caught on to him because he's in Coors. Like you said, if he's out there now, get him cheap because he'll be back in Coors shortly. Like you get him the week before he goes to Coors. That's how you do it with a lot of these guys. Otherwise, you pay a, kind of a Coors premium from time to time if you ever room to stash him, of course. Like You don't want to stash a catcher very often, but it kind of appeals to all the guys, like the Dazas of the world and the is that you would never really play any other time. <laughs> but if they have seven games in Coors, things look a lot better. So just something else to keep in mind as you're trying to save some money down the stretch on this one. Um, another player that got added a lot this week, we talked about Colby Allard a few weeks ago, so we'll pass on him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of them, but like, what's your thoughts on Ryan Weathers? He's making a start again on Tuesday. I'm just not sold on him. Like the stuff looks good, but he just hasn't he hasn't been fantasy viable to me at all.
0: Yeah, I mean what he's given up three runs today, right? Um, yeah, I- at least he's going five. He went. Fi- he's go- he's gone five today. And that's one of the challenges with him is like you look at like you know his three, three, four, 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 five, five, three, four. It's kind of like the Tony Gonsolin thing before today. Like he just hadn't gone deep enough to get a win. And if, if a guy can't get you a win as a starter, like there's, there's not a ton of value there. Um, you know, low Babbitt, high strand rate, not really striking guys out. I mean, we covered him a while back. I think people were really into him, but there's nothing at all appealing whatsoever in the profile. Super low O swings. So he's not getting chases on pitches outside the zone, slightly worse than the average in the zone. So he's not getting, he can't really dominate in the zone. Swinging strike rate at 7.4%, K percentage at 19%, walk rate, you know, slightly above league average. Like there's really nothing that he does well at all outside of being lucky yeah. so far. And that's kind of coming to an end.
1: Okay. So yeah. So you're not seeing it either. Cause I, I dig in on him and I'm thinking, okay, like there's this hype train. And there's the people I respect that like love him and I can't see what there is to love. It's one of those that I just sit back and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be okay being wrong type thing. This is one of those guys I'll always be wrong with and be good with it, but um, he was picked up in quite a few leagues. Kyle Moeller was picked up in quite a few leagues, the youngster for Atlanta. Beware, he got hit around a lot in the minors, so be careful on that one, but we saw another catcher, Eric Haas, got picked up a ton after his monster weekend. I grabbed Jake Rogers for a dollar somewhere. He's catching every day over Eric Haas. Haas just runs hot from time to time before those home runs over the weekend. He was ice cold. They both went deep on Tuesday night, so they're both playing together a lot, so I'll take the cheaper guy when it comes to catchers. Uh, I grabbed him quite a bit other than that. Like it was kind of hit and miss stuff. Um, my other, like what other main guys were you adding this week?
0: Yeah. So just going through, uh, my teams, I think I covered most of them. I did. I did add Jared Oliva in one spot where I need stolen paces. Um, I dropped Gregory Polanco there. Oliva did not play yesterday. He played today, but not going to lie. He did not look great in the at bat that I saw. Um, uh, that I saw him is that I saw him take. He was zero for three today. I picked up Zach Britton uh, in a couple places as like an uh, Rauldus Chapman replacement. I know Chad Green is very popular. I had him in one place. I picked him up last week, um, but I think Green's more of like a, a multiple inning guy. You saw how effective he was in that role on Sunday. I don't know why they move him out of there when he's been really effective, and they haven't really looked to him as a closer too much. I think he got to save like. Uh, early in the season when Britain was injured, I want to say, but Britain's supposed to come back in the middle of this week. And I think if Chapman continues to struggle or if there's a DL and an IL stint for him, you know, then Britain comes in and he could be really, really helpful there. And, and I got him for like four bucks. I dropped Brian Goodwin there, which may be a little early to drop Goodwin who's kitten cleanup today for the White Sox. He's actually been pretty good, but you know, he's just not stealing bases and then he doesn't have a ton of power and, you know, um, not great. For Oliva, I dropped uh, Polanco in another league where I, I added and dropped five guys in one of my mains. I picked up Tyler Naquin. He was available, which was surprising. I got him for 11 bucks, dropped Brian Goodwin, added Ryan O'Hearn for four bucks, unopposed, dropped Gregory Polanco. I added Eric Lauer for three bucks. I dropped Dallas Keichel. That may be a little bit of a controversial one. I mean, we know that Keiko can be really good, but he's just been getting hit around. And when you can't give me K's and I can't start you at Baltimore, like it's just really, really difficult um, to trust a player. And so I moved on to Lauer, who I think has shown skills at least that he can be really effective. We'll, We'll see how he continues to do. Uh, Paul Seawald, I picked him up in one place. I dropped Lars Newbar, who I picked up for the Rockies series. He didn't even get that far. Um, in another one, I picked up Jackie Bradley Jr. I dropped David Peterson. I had dropped him actually two weeks ago in a lot of my leagues, but in that one, I had held on to them, obviously, with the injury and just the lack of skills, honestly, that he's shown. Um, that's where I moved on. And let's see if there are any other ones that are coming to mind. I picked up Cisnero. He was available in one of my mains. I dropped Michael Chavis there. I picked up Eli White. I had picked him up two weeks ago in a lot of spots. Um, I picked him up for two bucks, dropped Kevin Pilar just with everybody coming back healthy, not the same opportunity. Added Britton and Jackie Bradley Jr. again. And then let's see. Yeah, another Jackie Bradley Jr., another, a lot of dropping of Michael Chavis, Archie Bradley, and Gregory Polanco, which is a little sad, honestly, with Gregory Polanco. Like, I really held out for him. I did drop Tyler Rogers in a 12 teamer. We'll see if that ends up coming back to bite me. I picked up Ranger Suarez for him. Um, And folks, let us know if this is helpful. Like, I'm just kind of going through here. I picked up Didi Gregorius in one OC, unopposed, $2. I dropped Gregory Polanco. And then I got uh, Tyler McGill in one spot. I dropped Ross Stripling for that. I picked up Lamont Wade Jr. and dropped Gregory Polanco. Two bucks there. I dropped Chris Flexen, which is a little bit tough for me, you know, because I do think Flexen has changed some things, and I think he's a really good pitcher. I would love to have him in 15s. But in a 12, like even against the – what does he have this week? I think he's got the Rangers this week again. I just didn't – he just wasn't good enough strikeout right wise to be in my lineup this week. And then I looked at next week, and I don't think he's scheduled the pitch. So it's essentially two weeks without having a guy. Um, And if you're kind of borderline, then I'll move on from you in that case. So those are all the adds and drops that I had this week.
1: Uh, For me, I added Christian Walker somewhere for 13 Mm. and was opposed to – I got him for thirteen. The runner-up was eleven, so I'm proud about that one. Um, nice. dropped dropped Lars Newt Bar as well. I was with you on that yeah. one, so that was Lars fun. Newt bar. Yep, I grabbed Guillermo Heredia for six dollars unopposed. Dropped Paul DeYoung because I just I had a ton of middle infielders, and DeYoung just really isn't doing it at all. He's crying like he's he's worse than Javi Baez because he's at least he could hit for home runs. At least he doesn't even do that. And then I'm with you. I grabbed Eric Lauer as well for one dollar unopposed. Dropped Eric Fede in that one. Um, a couple other spots here. I got Lauer in a lot of places. I think like, I grabbed Wilmer Flores in a twelve teamer for six bucks unopposed. Grabbed Luis Urias for four bucks unopposed. Dropped uh, Chad Pinder there and Tyler mm-hmm. Rogers in a twelve teamer. I'm with you. Um, as watching these Giants, I still think Rogers is going to have his moments, but I think it's more like seventy five twenty five McGee now. It's shifting to a heavier McGee load. And like we said before, if Rogers isn't going to strike guys out, it's tough to, uh, to make that one work. Like um, Cole Sulser dropped Bailey Ober, another Guillermo Heredia, dropped Tony Kemp, Chase Peterson. Like we talked about dropped Manny Margot in a couple leagues. And then he goes on the IL the next, like on Monday. So I got very fortunate there. I just couldn't do it anymore. It was like very, very tough with Manny Margot. He wasn't living up to what we could see from him. Another Eric Lauer share in that league. And my last NFPC league to wrap this up. We got uh, Garrett Cooper for 13, dropped uh, Manny Margot. Ooh. was very happy about he that He got one. stolen
0: base yesterday, too. Cooper did. That's oh, I nice. Love,
1: I love everything about him, man. Like, you just look at his hit tool. He is crushing the baseball right now. Uh, another Cole Sulcer dropped Trevor Williams. Jace Peterson dropped Josh Rojas. That one was tough to do. Josh Rojas was tough yeah. to drop. But uh, went there. I grabbed Mike Miner, dropped Steven Matz. We're going to try Miner on the two-step. We'll see. That's kind of a risky one. But I'll take his chance over Steven Matz right now. And then again, I mentioned catchers. I got Jake Rogers for a buck and dropped Chad Pinder. So I didn't spend any more than like thirteen dollars is on Cooper and Walker. Everything else is eight bucks or less this week. So Ooh. not a lot of heavy spending in the world of Bubba these days. But uh, yeah, we'll see if this hel- if this helps. Letting you guys know who we're dropping and whatnot. Let us know because we can uh, we can do that every time to let you know. Especially as the season gets deeper, it'll get really entertaining to see who gets dropped and why type situations. So we'll help you out there. All right,
0: but, yeah, got a few, I'm, feeling, yeah. I'm feeling better. Will Will Myers hit a three-run homer, so you I'm feeling a little bit better. That's good. Better. That's good. Got, got a few listener,
1: Got a few listener questions. Before we get into those, though, Alex Thistlewood mentions Seawald and Steckenrider could be sharp since Month on an expiring contract, but they are contending. I still I'm with them because I think they want to trade Graveman. so there will be a second closer. And that's the thing is, um, if you guys follow Ryan Roof on Twitter, he works for Rotowire, does their bullpen report. He tweeted out a lot of potential scenarios for trades today on Tuesday. That'd be very interesting to follow. See, how, We'll see if they're right or not, but they made sense. Let's put it that way for teams that need them. And then it shows you kind of what backups to potentially start looking at and spec bidding on now before you're spending a lot of money on like a Scott Barlow or something. So another thing to keep in mind. All right, listener questions. We'll start with Ben Tid at breaking ben underscore T. This is my first full year in the NFBC. And in my fab leagues, I just took a, po- I just look at a positional need and playing time when making my claims instead of looking at team category needs because I feel there aren't enough decent players available for me to pick and choose. Is that true for you? So do you look at team needs over categorical needs?
0: Oh, you mean like roster? roster like needs.
1: positional, do you look at positional yeah. needs or do you look at categorical needs?
0: Well, I think there's a couple, a couple of filters you got to run through. Like normally, um, uh, what I'll do is I have a spreadsheet of each one of my teams and then I fill in who's going to be at each position for the upcoming week. And then the guys that are there and I feel good about they're green guys who are yellow are like, uh, are like, maybe like maybe if there's an upgrade available, then I would move on either move on from them or not have them starting that particular week. And then I have the guys who are, who are red are guys who I'm going to drop that week. And then I have my guys who are on the IL as well, that I include on those and I do the same thing for my rotation. And so that's just really helpful because it gives me a sense of where am I weak? You know, if, if I'm, if if I'm heading into a week and I know I'm weak at middle infield, then I'll look at the middle infield options. If it's corner infield, I'll look at the corner infield options, or if it's outfield, I'll look at the outfield options or I'll look for starters or for relief pitchers or whatever. And so I think, through that like make sure that because what you want to make sure is that your roster that you're not getting zeros if at all possible sometimes sometimes it's hard right like this week i have michael brantley and kyle tucker in a lot of places and thank goodness they were in the lineup today but heading into the week i was just like i might have to take some zeros because i got two outfielders on some teams that, that that may uh may get zeros um so as much as possible you want to make sure that you have guys in there um and then and um, the same thing with pitchers, right? Like you want to make sure that you don't have to start that guy you really, really don't want to start. Um, and so you look for either relief pitcher options or better starting, starting pitcher options in that case. And then, you know, when you see where those areas that are yellow or you see those areas that are red, you know, that, that you need to move on from or that you might be able to upgrade from, then you take a look at the players. And honestly, in a 15 team league, you know, there are, there's always like, a couple guys every week that stand out as the guys that everybody wants to get. And then there's a lot of pretty similar guys. And so in those particular cases, I always look at the standings, you know, before I look at my team, just so I got it. I have a sense. We're still early in the season. We're midway point, right? There's still a lot that can happen, right? That 50 run gap. Yes. It's very hard to uh, overcome, but if you look at how many, you know, there's other teams that have 50 run gaps between them and the other guys and That happened over the course of a half season. So it is possible, right? Or 20 runs. It seems like a lot right now, but over the course of 26 weeks or of 14 weeks, it's just a little bit over a run per week. So just thinking about things like that. And so then, like, if I got three guys that are pretty similar, then I may say, oh, well, I need home runs on this team. So I'm going to go with the guy maybe who has power. But generally, I'm going for just the guys who have the better matchups at that point or who are playing seven games to maximize at-bats. So there's certainly a point in time in the season when you turn more towards your categorical needs and you start to think about that more. I don't think that time has necessarily happened unless you're really bad in a category or really good. Like I actually have one team that has close to 100 stolen bases already. Like like what what on earth? Like I've just gotten every guy who's going crazy on stolen bases. And so in that league now I'm like, oh, well, if I have a 50-50 decision, And it's like one guy who has more power, one guy who has more stolen bases That I'm going with the guy who has power. Um, So I think those are kind of the filters that you run through. The first is the roster to make sure that you're, you're doing a full roster. Um, And then you look at each position. And if there's a guy that clearly is the best and you go with, you try to get him. If not, then you look at kind of categorical needs when, when guys are pretty, pretty similar. So I think that's how I generally approach it, but it is tough in 15 team leagues, especially because like your roster needs may pigeonhole you where there's just not good players. there. like, in court third base right now, like on the waiver wire is disgusting. Like it's absolutely um, terrible. And so like in situations like that, you just kind of do the best that you can. So that's how I tackle it. How about you?
1: Yeah, we're pretty similar. Like right now with the landscape of the world on, on baseball, I'm just trying to set a roster first because certain weeks, it's like all of a sudden two outfielders go on the IL. And now I need to go get another outfielder just, just to have a starting lineup type thing or pitching situations like you mentioned, stuff along those lines. So that's my first priority. Do I have a starting lineup to put out there? Because that's been rough from time to time. And then from there, I'm it's like matchups, um, multiple uh, games for at-bat situations, as you mentioned. I'll look at those angles. Like last week, in the beginning of the week, the Rays only played on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I benched like Randy Arosarena and stuff because <laughs> it's just he does, even though even though he's good and he probably hasn't lived up the hype of some, I want someone playing four games over his too. Even if it's a big drop off in quote unquote talent, that's what I want. So you mix in that played stuff one like game that
0: too. They, they, that's right. they benched him for that Tuesday game, yeah.
1: So it worked out really well. But like I think I benched like all my rays. I think all of them, like Austin Meadows, all of them got benched because I just I needed I need the at bats and that's just the way it works. So I go that range first. Like when I look at Fab. I guess I don't look at it so much in fab as much as maybe setting my lineups like fab. I'm trying to just fill my roster and, and roster needs. Like I need depth at certain positions cause I don't want to be in this position again. So I'll put out a cheap bid on like this outfielder potentially. So I don't run out of outfielders the next week type thing, stuff along those lines. When I'm setting my lineup, I look at the, the matchups like you said, and then maybe the second part is I'll look at statistical needs. Like you said, tiebreaker stuff, but there's nothing I'm too stressed about yet. Cause if you believe in a talent that you put out there, eventually they should produce the talents you expect them to. Now, if they're underperforming and things just look bad, they look bad. Like labor Torres, I'm really close to just dropping labor Torres. Like I'm just had enough of labor Torres. but um, it's, it's we just all. one of those deals. What
0: has it? Haven't I, we all
1: it's like, I, I've kept him in OBP leagues his OBP still. Great. But I'm tempted to drop him there because he's not getting any home runs. I need guys with power. Like he's crushing me. When you draft the guy hoping for 20 to 25 homers and he has like none, basically has like two or three, he's killing you. So it, it's tricky right now. But that's what I do. So we're we're pretty similar in our approach to things. Is I just want to fill out a roster at first, and then we can uh, look for extra matchups and whatnot after that. All right. Yeah, Let's and if,
0: I, if if I could give a plug for something too. Uh, Middle of this year, I started using the Streaminator at Rasball um, and the hitter planner that they have there. Um, So Rudy, Rudy Gamble and uh, Rasball, they have a subscription service. I think it's six bucks a month, something like that. Um, And they essentially do projections for starting pitchers for the following week um, to help you plan. And then they also do Monday through Thursday and Friday, Sunday, and they give you dollar valuations for each player. And I have found that so, 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 so helpful. Like I really use that to help guide some of the difficult decisions um around starting pitching. Uh, and then even with hitting, it, it gives a really clear example of how much how good hitters are over a short period of time, like a Monday through Thursday, is about games played and is about the opponent, like the opposition. Like, like the highest rated players throughout, you know, the streaminator for Monday through Thursday were all Phillies. And then you're just like, oh, wow. Like, well, I got to get these fillies in here, right? And, you know, obviously it's confirmation bias because they're crushing it right now. But I would I would just give a strong, strong plug for, for the Streaminator and the work that Rudy and Rasball are doing with that tool because it has been invaluable and really has helped, I, I think in a lot of ways, like helped um, turn around my seasoning season, just in terms of giving me an, a really firm apples to apples comparison for really difficult decisions that factors in all these things that normally I work through in my head. Um, And so process wise, I think that's been super, super helpful. So huge plug for that. And you can look at that before you go into fab. So, you know, like heading into this week, I knew that Tyler McGill was like, he was a top 10 option on the streaminator for among all starting pitchers because of the matchups that he had and the skills that he had shown so far. So um, I just give a plug for that for people who do waiver wire and, and, and lineup setting and thinking about how they, you can kind of maximize value in that respect.
1: Yeah, they they do great stuff. They're like the free just player radar in general. I love using cuz it lets you know like some guys to look at, but the tools are amazing. I've tinkered with those from time to time. I know like Rob Di Pietro, um, Phil Dussault. so I'm like very like uh, uh, Rob Silver, a ton of very successful NFC players love the Raspball tools. So it's it's something that goes around quite a bit. So yeah, they do great stuff over there. Rudy is a smart, smart man. Gray Gray's a funny individual. Rudy does pretty much all of the tinkering with the uh with the uh tools and he's very very good with it. All right. Drew at fru underscore Dorte asks how would you rank these guys for saves rest of season? Hansa Robles, Tyler Rogers, Ranger Suarez, Cole Sulcer, Zach Britton, Zach Green. And Mr. Bender. So it's quite the list that he has here. Um, I, 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 I'm just going to say the guy I think has the most is Solser, but I might be biased. So
0: yeah, I would go Suarez, Solser, Bender. Bender, yeah. Um,
1: Robles, Robles, probably just because I get more chances. <laughs> it's, tough, it's tough though. The challenge
0: though is is. You know, in a vacuum, sure. But do I think Robles is a good pitcher anymore? Not really. I don't think he's a good pitcher. Like he's not getting K's. He's walking a ton of guys. He's giving up runs. He's got a bad whip. And so it's like, yeah, you could say all I need is K's and you could keep Hansel Robles in your lineup. And then all of a sudden you also need ERA and whip to help you out. And so the reason why I named those four guys, I think Ranger Suarez is the closer right now for the Phillies. And I think they've shown a propensity to go with one guy. And that's what I'm looking at more than anything else in the closure landscape is teams that go with one guy to lead it. So that him, I think Solskjaer is the closer right now with the Orioles and they've shown with Valdez with other guys, when those guys are good that they will stick with that closer Bender. You know, I don't know. Yimmy Garcia had just thrown two games, but he's been pretty ineffective recently. Like he lost a a four run lead was his last one. And then I think he also, he lost a game. It was tied, but he gave up runs. Like I haven't looked at his game log recently, but I don't think it's a pretty picture. And Bender has just been incredibly good, like incredibly good. And so if they're going to go with the best guy and they're going to go with one guy and Mattingly has said that he likes one guy, then I think Bender, like if Bender gets another save this week, like the bidding on him is going to be ridiculous because He's a very, very good pitcher. Like he has been so far, skills-wise, everything-wise, he's really, really good. So I would have those three. And then the rest of them are just really like a bunch of guys who maybe get saves, maybe don't get saved. You know, I think Britton is a sneaky one just because he's going to cost you so little. But he could also have zero saves and nobody would be surprised, you know, the rest of the season. So those are, those are how I'd rank the top three at least.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun seeing what Bender goes for this week. He's had in 43 leagues this past week, as high as $51. That is sure to change come this Sunday. So that'll be quite exciting on that one. A couple more listener questions here. Uh, John Wilder asks, how close do you pay attention to righty-lefty splits? When deciding between two or three players for one position, what are your deciding factors on who to start? Well, we already talked matchup. We talked potential team needs. Do you look at the splits? You got that kind of factors in, I would assume.
0: Yeah, it, it all depends. Like if a guy is um if a guy is a um uh, if a guy is is in a platoon, then you obviously look at lefty righty splits because you want to know how many guy, how many games the guy is gonna is gonna play. Um, if I'm looking at starting pitchers, then I would look at you know like how good the opposing lineup has been against a righty or a lefty. But one of the things is one of the things that I really like about the streaminator not to plug it again is that it factors all that stuff into the equation when it's giving us projections for that week or that, that, that comes into like play in terms of the number of games and things like that. So I certainly look at it as much as possible, but there are certain players that are like always in my lineup, regardless of what the schedule looks like, just because they're really good players. Um, so yeah, I definitely factor it in. Um, but, um, Yeah, but that's generally how I do it. Like to see like how many games a guy should get with the split and and who they're facing and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, no, it's I don't know if I do it intentionally, because but like in DFS you do splits all the time. So it's just kind of ingrained in my head of who does what, who where like where they hit in the order, stuff like that. So I I, I would say yes, I do. I don't know if I do it like I purposely say this and that, but the biggest thing is the platoons, like you mentioned. Like there's certain weeks on an NPC where you get bi weekly moves where all of a sudden guys like Hanser Alberto are very, very useful when the Royals face multiple lefties. So it's just little things like that where you can mix and match. And if some of these teams keep making trades and get deeper and deeper on their, their lineups, there's going to be a lot more platoon. Like the Giants are the worst at it. Like there's certain weeks where like Lamont Wade and Duggar and Dickerson won't be worth anything because they'll face like four lefties and then it'll be very stressful. But then there's other weeks where they face seven righties and you're just like, yep, I want all of them. So little things like that, like uh, Toby was saying. All right. Little Book of Calm asks, which team's pitchers, team slash pitchers, are you most worried about massaging second-half innings? Well, the Tigers Uh, already said they're going to. The Tigers are already on board with that. They've made that very clear. Um,
0: I'd say anybody with a young
1: arm. Anybody with a young arm.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a mess. I mean, one guy who jumps out is Trevor Rogers. The Marlins have already said that they're going to limit him i think they said he's got 80 more innings 80, or more. Like yep. That. Yep. 80 more and this was a couple weeks ago so if you're thinking about that it's like you know he's been like oh, God,
1: mid-august he's been maybe furious. end of august at the latest <laughs>
0: yeah exactly and there's gonna be a lot of teams that do that you know once they fall out of contention for the playoffs you know who are going to be doing that it's going to be a real it's going to be a real mess with the changing the sticky substances and having to figure that out and you know, I know everybody's really quick to jump on these kind of narratives about guys who are struggling as a result of that. But, you know, it's like Lucas Giolito, you know, everybody's like, oh, is he even like a good pitcher anymore? He had 22 swinging strikes on 102 pitches, right? Like he had a BABIP against a 556. Like he didn't give up any home runs. He gave up half of his hits in one inning in a row. Like they were all singles and doubles right? So it's just things like that, where I think we are very quick, our human brains are very quick to create some sort of narrative, but we need to see the longer arc of what this looks like. Um, and, and it could be true. It could be that Lucas Giolito is no longer the guy because his spin rate is down. Um, but, you know, it also could just be that that he had a really bad Babbitt game, right? Um, you know, and so, and, and the same thing with Cole, I think the fascinating thing with that, and I'm getting a little bit on a tangent is just like, There's so many things to factor in with the lack of the sticky stuff is there's the spin rate decline and what that does, not only to the effectiveness of the pitches, but when the pitches are put into play, Rob Arthur has done research that shows that they go further when they don't have the sticky stuff on them. Right? So there's that impact. Yeah, there's that impact. And, and then you also need to take into consideration the control issues. Like you look at Garrett Cole, he's got his worst, um, walk rate over the course of three games as he has in like three or four years. But then the question is, is that just an adjustment period for him? Where once he gets used to not using the sticky stuff and he starts pitching again, his swinging strike rate is still solid enough. And he still throws 98 miles per hour, right? And so the question is is like, is the control gonna come back once they get used to that? So there's those things to factor in, in addition to the innings and how those are gonna be managed you know, with teams that are out of contention and teams who are in contention, and how do they push it? And there's going to be all these different philosophies. So pitching in the second half, people have mentioned it well before me, but it's just going to be it's going to be all over the place, and you're going to have to be navigating and and keeping a pulse on what's happening with with all these different teams and all your pitchers in the second half because things could get wild for sure.
1: And that's another reason why, like I kind of am speculating on certain guys, just thinking. If they're pitching okay now, that means maybe they're still good without the sticky stuff. I'll take my chances and get them cheap now before things really change. I could be wrong, but I got them for cheap so I can drop them. Like it's just little things like that. If you have a roster spot and you're like, hey, this guy's been like quality stars. like Not great, but quality starts for like three in a row without the sticky stuff while everyone else is getting beat around. Look at that. The other thing, flip side, going back to something you mentioned earlier about guys being down 20 runs or 30 runs, pitching's going to get so bad, offenses are going to explode in like the last month and a half of the season. So your whole league's probably going to explode. But if you got the players that are actually really good and you think they're going to, they're getting better or they're getting healthy or whatever, they can have monstrous August and Septembers, like humongous August and Septembers. Like what we just saw from Kyle Schwarber, we might see a lot of guys do stuff like that in the last couple months of the season just because a lot of AAA pitchers, a lot of bad bullpens getting extra use, so many weird things. So keep that in mind as well. You might get some some really streaky situations. Um, and then he also asks, are there any players you think are primed for huge second halves who have been mostly hurt so far this year? Carrasco, Mustakis, Lubob, anybody else? Eloy? Even though he's supposed to be back in about a month or so.
0: Yeah, those are good those are good suggestions. I mean, one pitcher that stands out to me as a guy who I think should be better second half is um uh, is Aaron Nola. Um, Nola, you know, I think we've seen this kind of story before, but, uh, Nola has a, a 23.9% K minus walk rate. Um, his BABIP against is he's like in every category you don't, you know, what I call the quote unquote luck categories. He's like everywhere you don't want to be 331 BABIP against uh, 72.3% strand rate, which is low for, um, for this year, uh, for pitchers. And then a a home run per fly ball of 14.7, which if, if I remember correctly is, is above what he has, he has given up in the past. And so, um, you know, he's got a 444 ERA, a one, two, two whip. I think he's going to have a a really strong second half. Same thing goes for Luis Castillo. I mean, we're already seeing it, but there's still so much, uh, positive regression, I think that's going to come his way in terms of the strand rate, um, you know and, and just the strikeout rate like he's had one of the higher swinging strike rates recently and and um and yet he and he doesn't get as many called strikes but the, the k percentage is still way lower than it than it should be um and and so you know those are a couple guys that kind of stand out to me that should have strong second half not necessarily because of injury i mean sure yeah like Carlos carrasco could be super good but he could also not pitch a single inning you know like Those are hard to distinguish. You mentioned um, kind of Lou Bob and and Eloy coming back and they could be great. They could also have setbacks. You know, that's always the toughest thing with injuries. And those ones are pretty clear and like everybody knows about them. But one of the challenges is I think is, is if you're in in competition for your league right now, but you're not like winning, like I, I have a lot of third through sixth places um, you know, if you're in that position, it's really hard to just kind of like stash a guy like Lou Bob or Eloy, um, because you're really just trying to maximize. And the reason you're in third through sixth is because you've been, you've been maximizing, but maybe you don't necessarily have the caliber of players, um, that the teams ahead of you do. And so you've really got to like figure out whether you can kind of accommodate that one guy to just hold on to if you don't already have one of them. So th- th- those are a couple guys that I think from, a from a pitching perspective, due. I didn't look at it for hitters, but I mean, just go look at Babbitt, like go look at the basic luck things. It's super basic, but go look at Babbitt, go look at home run per fly ball rates. Um, go look at those numbers that are, yes, some of them are skill related, but also some of them are luck related and they generally tend to even out over a longer uh, sample size. Um, you know, so yeah, anyways, that's a, that's a long answer to the question, but th- that's how I would go about looking for those types of guys.
1: Yeah, another hitter that we could talk about, Mike Trout. No, I'm just kidding. That's a pretty easy one, but yeah, he, yeah. he should have a, he should have a big second. I yeah. would pick him up. Yeah, I'd pick him up. But on the, on the similar vein of Luis Castillo, I've been we've been pounding that drum. But another guy I've been all in on, and he's been showing it a little signs of it as well. Eduardo Rodriguez, it's coming, folks. Like his peripheral stats, all he's has career highs in almost every possible good peripheral stat there is, and he's finally put it together the last couple starts. So he's another guy I buy in on uh, being being pretty good as well. All right, Lucas J. Beery asks: Do you and Bubba think the secure closers' prices for next year's drafts will become more expensive, or more so stay the same in high-stakes NFBC type formats? It's a question I've been wondering for a while myself. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I absolutely think they're going to be they're going to they're going to go for more. Um, it's just more. It's a scarcer, a scarcer uh, asset for your team, and especially because you're going to go into it the next year. And, and it kind of happened all of a sudden, but you have how many teams that go with like one closer, like, you know, you have however many, and then how many of those are you going to know who the closer is going into the season? And so, yeah, I think those guys are going to push up. I don't know how high they're going to push up. Um, yeah, Andrew uh, Geller, uh, who goes by uh, the guilds, um, who's a really good player who's having a spectacular season. You know, he was he was joking around about you know having closures go on the one-two turn. But, you know, um, it sounds crazy, but if you're picking a one-two turn and then you know by ADP that all those really good closures are going to be gone by the three, four turn when you get to pick, you know, that you're gonna have to make a decision right there. Um, and so I definitely think I'll move up like the haters of the world, the Hendrixes of the world, those kind of lights out closures that you know have the job. Um, are going to be um, they're going to they're going to move up probably like a round or so would be my guess. So I guess you'll probably have um, some of those guys going in the in the third round, early in the third round, late fourth round, type stuff.
1: Yeah, no, there there will definitely be a purge or a rush up on closers. Uh, it'll be fun to see those early DCs that start up in like November. Those will be good October November to see where those go there um it will definitely be happening if not if anything it'll be kind of the philosophy i've used and i've heard other people start to mention it have like your six to eight really good locked in guys make sure you get one of them like that at least will get you a base for closers like you know at any time a guy could get hurt and it doesn't matter anyways but at least going into the season you're like okay i got a guy he's got the job we're good to go here for now that's what I'm. i'm already hearing guys talk like that so We'll see, And if, if there's more doing that, that's going to drive up the price, obviously. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be really interesting to see. Maybe by, you know, in November it's wild, but by, you know, February it's different because guys are seeing different trends, this, that, or the other. But I don't see these committees leaving anytime soon. I think it's going to be here for a while. So especially for some of these mediocre teams that don't want to spend money, there's going to be a lot of committees going on. So it's going to be a headache, a big headache. And it just becomes, do you want to pay for saves all season? via fab like we've seen, or do you want to knock on wood, hope a guy stays healthy and just have that position there and spend your money elsewhere. That's the, that's the predicament because it's not as, it's never easy to just get guys on fab, but with the ever, like at least you could get a guy in the past to spend a lot of money and he's got the job once he gets hurt too. But now it's just like you're throwing stuff at a wall half the time and hoping it sticks. Like we just talked about the reds. We talked about the Phillies, uh, the giants are, it was 50, 50 at one time. Now it's probably not anymore. I guess just, it's a mess. Lots of fun, lots of fun. And it's, only July, early July, so so much fun. But all right, Toby, that's going to wrap us up for the week. Any final thoughts as we are over halfway through the baseball season?
0: We are halfway through. Uh, nope. best of luck to everybody. Enjoy the All Star break. Get some get some rest and uh, buckle up for uh, what should be a pretty intense second half here with uh, some a lot of changes. A lot of changes are going to be happening over the course of the of the last uh, fourteen weeks. 14. Yep, it's so going to be a wild
1: one. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild one. And if you're um, doing your fab this weekend, which you should be, remember, there's only probably three games next week. There's one Thursday game. I think it's Yankees, Red Sox. But it's pretty much all Friday through Sunday. So a lot of starting pitchers won't go. So if you want to get weird, go get you some clo- some relievers. Not closers, because some relievers. See what happens. Uh, get, just so you get some more innings and K's or something, do that. Uh, you could. There is where you could look at splits for that question earlier. For that, that'll be much more important for those three-game series. Uh, look looking things along those lines. and Maybe get a cheap guy for a buck or two because there's like two lefties out of the three games. Stuff along those lines. L- save some money. Don't break the bank on a three-game fab week, please. Please. That's all I ask. Please don't do that. <laughs> but um, you can find Toby on Twitter at Crazy. I'm on Twitter at uh, BDNTrick. We'll be with you guys next time. This was Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 89. See you guys later.
0: that's going to wrap us up for episode 185 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. That also wraps up edition number 89 of Bubba and the Batflip. We tried something a little new this week with adding not only the players that we added, but also the guys we dropped with a little bit of justification for why we do that. So definitely let us know if you um, enjoyed that piece of it. Again, a great suggestion uh, from one of our listeners. Uh, We always like to be responsive as possible to people when they have uh, fantastic ideas like that. So uh, we will not be coming to you next week. It'll be the all-star break. Uh, I think Bubba's going to take a little bit of a break. Um, so we'll, we'll chat with everybody in a couple weeks um, after the all-star break when we get headed uh, down the stretch here in our fantasy baseball season. Uh, thanks so much. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball teams. Take care and be kind to one another.